He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a Tuesday morning in the Hill Country. Excuse me for a second. All right, we'll try that again. Man, that frog just jumped in there right when I hit the mic button. Uh, Welcome to the Matt Long Show. Good morning. So happy to be here with you. It's a gorgeous morning in the Texas Hill Country, being the end of January. And, you know, I never, never have known whether it was true or not that uh, uh, police departments and sheriff's departments had... um, uh, had to get so many tickets uh, a month, had to give out so many tickets. I, I never thought, I didn't know if that was ever true or not, and uh, that they had some kind of requirement of a minimum number of tickets. But I'm telling you, the uh, Gillespie County uh, uh, Sheriff's Department and the Fredericksburg Police Department, um, boy, they're out to make some money today. Um, if you're on 16 between uh, Kerrville and Fredericksburg, or even if you're leaving Fredericksburg or flying into Fredericksburg out there by the airport, seems like I've seen the local policemen sitting out there a bunch lately. So um, just uh, just be careful out there. Just slow down. You should be slowing down anyway for crying out loud. Um, but uh, so there you go. That is your traffic warning for Tuesday morning got some things on your calendar um we got by the way we got good news coming today we got good news coming in the second quarter terry hall is going to be on the line with me with a grassroots victory in the courts and uh, so we're going to be talking with terry hall about that but before that let's get to your calendar um on the first on the first of february which i'm looking at my calendar is thursday the lano tea party are going to be having their regular meeting this is going to be a candidate q and a um the if you want details on that i suggest you go to lano teaparty.org lano teaparty.org and uh, that is thursday at 5 30 this thursday at 5 30 so um, if you, you know, Lano has, um, Lano is in the same, uh, sh- representative, the same house district as Kerr is that house district wraps around Gillespie County. And I just said that Lano, I was thinking Mason County. So, um, since now I'm completely confused, I have completely confused myself, um, just going to leave it at LanoTeaParty.org. Go check it out. Um, on this Saturday, from February the 3rd, this Saturday, from 1 p.m. to 2, is your first Saturday prayer in Kerrville at the Zion Lutheran Church on uh, 624 Barnett Street. That's in Kerrville. <clears throat> this is Saturday prayer that's been going on for, for quite some time. And uh, so... We appreciate the prayer warriors in Kerrville. If you want to join them this Saturday from 1 to 2, um, they're going to be at Zion Lutheran. On Sunday, here we go, Sunday, 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 Victory Fellowship. 
um, Gillespie County Sheriff's Forum and a chili cook-off. And get a load of this. They're going to make the sheriff's candidates um, be the judges for the chili. So um, if you, uh, yeah, there's your opportunity. Uh, not only to hear the uh, three our three candidates for sheriff in Gillespie County, but also find out what flavor of chili they like. That could always help you down the road if they get elected. You know, if you know how to, you know which chili is goes straight to the heart of your sheriff. Then yeah, it's a pretty good piece of knowledge to have. So, learn more about the county sheriffs, Gillespie County Sheriff uh, candidates, and the. The uh, Chili Cook-Off Victory Fellowship in Fredericksburg, that's at noon this Sunday. Um, uh, Thursday, the 8th of uh, February, the Fredericksburg Tea Party having its Guns and Roses, annual Guns and Roses meeting. We call it that because historically the um, second Thursday of the month has always ended up really close to Valentine's Day. Today, this year, it's as far away from Valentine's Day as it will ever get, um, but that's all right. We're still calling it the Guns and Roses meeting, and it is Thursday night, the 8th. Uh, all the ladies receive a long stem rose, and all the men will receive a <clears throat> some chocolate cake. You thought I was going to say gun, didn't you? Chocolate cake and roses and uh, gun owners of America. And uh, it's going to be a great meeting. We're going to have you more details as we get closer. February 15th, the Kerr County Candidate Forum. February 15th, the Kerr County Candidate Forum. I am, I am, uh, that is, uh, I think Sid Miller is going to be the uh, one of the speakers there and uh, working with that forum. And um, I wonder if, uh... <laughs> all right, um, Sid Miller will be there. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Got some words of wisdom from Ben Franklin this morning before we take off. And uh, Ben Franklin says, uh, this was in Poor Richard's Almanac of 1733. He said, the heart of a fool is in his mouth. He said, the heart of a fool is in his mouth, but the mouth of a wise man is in his heart. The heart of a fool is in his mouth, but the mouth of a wise man is in his heart. Always good words of wisdom from uh, Ben Franklin. And uh, it's amazing how many of Franklin's uh, little quotes, aphorisms, whatever you want to call them, um, uh, come right out of the book of Proverbs. And uh, they, so many of them I have seen in uh, the book of Proverbs and other places in the Bible. And uh, so, yeah. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back. Y'all stay tuned. We'll get Terry Hall on the line. Texas politicians fear him. He's Matt Long. The Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. I'm going to get right to it. We had a victory in uh, the Texas courts for grassroots 
who were, um, yeah, I'm going to let, uh, yeah, this is a victory. This is good news. And I'm going to welcome Terry Hall onto our call. Good morning, Terry. Morning, Matt. Always good to have you here. We're having, um, uh, is, I'm having a few little uh, sound issues, but I'm going to try to get it as best I can. Um, so th- tell us about, you were in court last week and, um, you um, have found out that uh, you have won, along with other grassroots organizations in the state, you won a lawsuit against the state of Texas about the 2021 ballot measures. Would you fill us in on that, please, Terry Hall? Absolutely. So um, this actually starts way back in 2011, if you can believe it. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. On the 2021 ballot. The legislature chose to omit a key feature of that ballot initiative in order to deceive and mislead the voters about what the tax implications were for that ballot measure. Now, this involved uh, transportation reinvestment zones. That's the term they use for it. It was on the ballot in 2021 as Prop 2. But it also appeared on the ballot in 2011. And in 2011... It had the language, ad valorem tax increases, which means property tax increases. And it was defeated. We had a huge statewide campaign that year to say, hey, people, this involves your property tax increases. Don't vote for this. Don't fall for it. Because as you know, Matt, almost all the constitutional amendments pass. I mean, it doesn't matter what we do or say, it seems like they all uh, pass. Well, this was one in the history books because we defeated it. Well, there was actually a chairman of the Transportation Committee afterwards that didn't talk to me for about two years because he was so sore that we killed his amendment. But he literally said in committee, if we had just left out that phrase, ad valorem tax increases, it would have passed. So fast forward to 2021, and that's exactly what the legislature did. They put the same exact ballot language on there, removing just that phrase in order to keep Texans in the dark about what the tax hit would be if they uh, allowed counties to enter into this bond debt. They don't even tell you how it's going to be paid back. So we uh, warned them before it even passed the legislature that they needed to fix this ballot language, that this was uh, deliberately, intentionally deceptive to the voters, and that they needed to put that phrase back in. In fact, Senator Bob Hall, who's a great friend uh, to the conservatives, uh, grassroots, as you know, Um, actually was going to carry that amendment. He did carry that amendment for us, and he tried to uh, get his Senate colleagues to vote to put that uh, phrase back on the ballot so that it would be a legitimate ballot initiative again. And they voted it down. So, I mean, you can't be more obvious that they were intentionally trying to mislead voters about this involving your property tax increases. Wow. So my first question is, since you won that, the Seventh Court of Appeals in Amarillo ruled in favor of this. Does that mean that Proposition 2 from 2021 is now no longer valid? Well, that's a good question. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's got one more step, and we'll see what the state does. Well, we won in the trial court, long story short. We won um, at the Seventh Court of Appeals in Amarillo. It, let's just think about the breakneck speed that that happened, by the way. I, I, wanted, I want your listeners to understand that this was an absolute smackdown of the Texas legislature, a total repudiation of what they did. An appeals court decision, uh, we were there January 10th. 
We got the decision January 25th, literally in 15 days. And that counts weekends. We got a decision back. That never happens. I mean, that just never happens. It's a minimum. Four months would be an early decision. Usually it's more like a year before you hear back from an appeals court decision. So this is so striking in how much the appeals court agreed with you and I, the taxpayer, and sided with the voters on this. And it's, it is huge. And so what happens now is we want at the appeals court level as well. The state has another option. They can actually try to appeal it to the Texas Supreme Court and try and fight us again. Um, or they can accept the appeals court decision and direct the governor to void the election. And yes, that would void the election. But we think we're going to win at the Supreme Court as well if they choose to do that because so far we're two for two. Wow, all of this is such great news. And, you know, Terry, I struggle sometimes coming in here as a grassroots uh, activist and, and trying to bring the message. I struggle to find good news. Um, going forward then in future ballot measures, is this going to give, is there will be a little more weight given to uh, uh, folks who are testifying as these ballot measures are being created in the, in the uh, House and the Senate? Oh, I think they definitely will pause before they decide the ballot language in these um, constitutional amendments because they are tricky and they are deceptive. And I honestly think that's why so many conservatives stay home or voters sit out on those elections because they know they're tricky and that sometimes voting yes is exactly the opposite of what you want. And so they're scared that if they vote for something, that that could end up you know, biting them later. So a lot of people just don't vote at all because they're afraid of what the implications might be, because there is such tricky ballot language when it comes to these initiatives. So I do think that this is going to give the legislature great pause. I think it's a huge victory for voters. And at the end of the day, if they had gotten away with it on this, related to something that's arcane to most people, a transportation reinvestment zone, don't even know what that is. But at the end of the day, if they can get away with it there, they would have done it every single time from here on out. So this is a huge um, ballot uh, smackdown, if you will, of the Texas legislature. It has statewide implications, and it has long-lasting implications, let's hope, that will teach them a lesson, so to speak, that they cannot purposely mislead voters with the ballot language. They have to include the chief features and truly inform the voters before they cast that vote. You know, Terry, one of the things that uh, um, just following this experience and now knowing where the victory is and the amount of time it took, the lesson I get out of it is that grassroots, if if we'll just keep fighting, if we'll just keep fighting, and we're at the point now, and we've heard a lot of discussion about this, Terry, we're at the point where the grassroots really needs some good constitutional conservative lawyers and and i'm constantly on the air saying lawyers lawyers attorneys where are you out there because this type of thing we couldn't have done just with a bunch of our good old boys that get together monthly and go up and fight it we needed good attorneys and uh, i happen to know who your attorney was and i love the man and it sounds like he did an outstanding job he did. His name is Tony McDonald, and he actually was one of the first staffers for Ted Cruz. That tells you where he's you know, coming from. Um, and, and he's been around the Capitol for a very, very long time. He's watched all of this. He knows all those dirty tricks. And when I brought this case to him, he was like, oh, yeah, we got to slap this down. And he looked up all the relevant case law, and he argued it uh, just masterfully before the appeals court. They obviously agreed with every single one of our arguments. There were three 
different um, fact-finding things that they had to basically evaluate. And they agreed with every single one of them in a total repudiation of the state's arguments and just shredded them. So we're very, very grateful for his um, legal prowess, if you will. But at the same time, we have to be, uh, you're right, I mean, we have to get lawyers in the pipeline that are capable of this level of uh, legal fights. Because look what happened with, what, the 2020 election? I mean, we could go on and on with all of the things that we're doing in court. Look at General Paxton. If we didn't have Ken Paxton right now sending off the Biden administration in court, where would we be? So we do need good constitutional uh, attorneys. And if he hadn't done this case with us, I brought in... um, we the People, Grassroots America, We the People is another group. It's a statewide group, uh, Joanne Fleming, and all of the True Texas Project um, folks also were plaintiffs in our case. So that makes us a huge grassroots army that hopefully will uh, put a little bit of fear, strike some fear in the legislature when they see us walking around the Capitol and testifying on their bills. That also helps us get a little street cred, so to speak. But at the end of the day, they have to realize that when they do this, we literally warned them that we would sue them. We warned the Secretary of State if they didn't fix the ballot language, we would sue them. So after the election came, you bet we're going to sue them. And then we prevailed in court because so much of the time they, they, they know that the Travis County courts are rigged in favor of the progressives, and they want everything they can to smack down conservatives. And most of the time we lose. We honestly were thinking that it would be the Supreme Court that would give us this victory, not the, the you know, appellate court. Well, because the Travis County court's docket is so backlogged, most likely because of COVID, um, they've kicked this court up to Amarillo, which obviously worked tremendously in our favor. So I want to give that shout-out to Justice Brian Quinn. He was hilarious. If you want to go read the opinion, you can go on our website at texasturf.org. It's linked up on our website, Texas spelled out T-U-R-F as in freedom, dot O-R-G. And you could read his opinion. He literally quotes Johnny Cash uh, and the Beatles in his decision. It was hilarious. Uh. Well, I have. Um, I just guess I have one more comment. We are out of time. I have another uh, guest coming on here at the bottom of the hour, Terry. But uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned True Texas Project and Grassroots America that had joined with your organization, Turf Texans Uniting for Reform and Freedom. And the first thing that came to my mind, honestly, Terry Hall, was I go, oh yeah, True Texas Project, Julie McCarthy. And then I go over, oh, yeah, Grassroots America, Joanne Fleming. And then I go, oh, yeah, Turf, uh, Terry Hall. And you, you, these are three women that the state of Texas needs to watch, watching out for. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Oh, I absolutely do. I, I call Joanne Fleming the lioness of Texas. She is fierce. You do not want to mess with her, and you don't want to get on her bad side. And that's the same with Julie McCarty. I mean, they've created what now? 20 different True Texas Project satellite groups all over the state of Texas. We are an, a grassroots army, and we work together. We consult with one another. We have each other's back, and they know it, and I think they're starting to see that, that, that we're starting to tilt the stick. There's a lot of great challenges, by the way, to a lot of these rhinos that created these kinds of uh, amendments, by the way. <laughs> and so we've got we've to gotta get rid of the rhinos that are running the Texas House, and in some cases there's a few in the Senate that we need to get rid of, and bring back the Texas legislature to where it ought to be, which is um, center, uh, excuse me, right of center, because that is where Texans are. They are not reflecting the values of Texans in the Texas legislature. It's like U.S. Congress, where we have Mitch McConnell running the show. Are we sick of milk toast? Are we sick of middle of the road? Have we had enough of it? 
Well, that's what we've been getting in the Texas House, and we have got to get involved in those races and get rid of these candidates and dump them uh, and get some real conservatives in there that are going to be champions and fight for us instead of having to fight against them every time we're up there. And we actually are launching um, our voter guide today at TexasTurf.org, so I encourage people to go look on our website so you can know who to vote for. And then we also have a political action from the arm. It's known as Texan or Toll Free Highways. If you go to tollfreehighways.com, you can also see the list of endorsements there. So we encourage people to get involved because, folks, we don't want to have to do these legal battles. They're extremely expensive, and they take a very long time. I mean, this was a 2021 ballot, and here it is January of 2024, and we got our decision back very quickly. So imagine what happens if we have to do this with everything and have to fight tooth and nail for everything. We just need champions uh, representing us. Truly, we the people representing us in the texas legislature all i can say to that is amen and terry hall thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh yeah thank you thank you matt it's always a pleasure all right there you go folks um we're gonna take a short break and um we will be right back and hopefully have uh get pastor greg on the line we're gonna talk about whether we should have open or closed primaries? Ooh, big question. Um, and so stay tuned, and Pastor Greg and I will work this out. He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long. Born to be All right, we are back, and it is Tuesday, and I do have Pastor Greg on the line with me. And uh, the question today is open or closed primaries? Um, I, we're we're going to have to see. Uh, that I'm open to all kinds of arguments on both sides of this. Um, right now, we're going to welcome Pastor Greg. Good morning, Pastor Greg. Welcome to the Matt Long Show. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Hill Country Patriots. Uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, I, I let me let me go ahead and start our conversation just by saying this. And you had asked me about this last night, and a lot of this stems from uh, the reports that are coming out regarding Nikki Haley and her uh, targeting of uh, Democrat voters. But here's here's my response to why I think we need a close primary. A true conservative has to win now two general elections in Texas. We talk about the importance of getting the right guy in the primary, and yet with open primaries, we make that hill untenable. We say in the general it's the independent vote that counts, but we make their values primary in the primary. Trump ran more moderate in the primary and more conservative in the general because many conservative voters are alienated in the primaries. They've become disillusioned because it felt like their vote did not count, and I believe open primaries are the culprit. Uh, I, uh, man, that's a good argument. You know, I, I have been standing with, I believe, an open um, uh, open 
primaries. And that's where I've been standing. And yet when I try to defend my stand to myself, I'm, I'm not sure if I can really come out and defend it other than to say I don't like being tied down. Now, I'm not going to ever vote for a Democrat. Well, I'm not going to say ever. I'm, I'm very extremely unlikely to ever to vote for a Democrat ever in a general election. I just can't see it ever happening. Um, and in the primaries, I consider that to be Republican Party business. And if the Republican Party would do their job and fill these, get their primary voters out, then I think that the percentage of democrats that are crossing over to try to throw our primary i think it would be so small as to be negligible and so i don't think it's so much as limiting you know telling me i have to register as a republican as much as it is a failure of the republican party to get the vote out during the primary so they don't have to worry about some silly democrats any comments on that opinion well, I think the argument remains the same, whether you're registered as a Republican or registered as an independent. If you're a conservative, you obviously, I think, are going to be registered as a Republican. But voting in the Republican primary seems like a wasted effort when you know that your vote is going to be nullified, likely, by other people that are jumping in there uh, that, that don't hold your same values. They, again, the, the fight and the battle that we've fought for the last 12 years since I've been here in Texas and you and I have been fighting this fight together is getting the right person elected in the primary so we have somebody to back in the general election. And over and over and over again, you know, we talk about the establishment. Well, the reason that the establishment, quote-unquote, gets to win is because, again, the grassroots says, well, you know, and, and I know there are grassroots that are out there that are voting, but there are a lot of folks that would vote with us. And I think that, you know, again, I point to President Trump's situation as an example in the fact that, again, he ran as a much more moderate candidate in the primaries in 2016 and 2020, he was the incumbent. But in 2016, he ran much more moderate in the primaries, and he ran very conservative against Hillary Clinton in the general election with very hardcore values that we aligned with. You know, I have to say, um, I, I'm going to defend, oh boy, am I going to get in trouble for this. I'm going to defend rural Democrats. Are you ready? Democrats record this, or you can go to the um, podcasts and pull it off if you ever want to use it against me. Um, I moved to the Hill Country in January of 1999. In fact, I can tell you the date because I got here on my 40th birthday. I got here on my 40th birthday, January of 99. I got here, and um, the first time I voted, and I'm trying, it was a general election. It was not a primary. So I went down and voted at the general election on election day because I recall the conversation when I got back to the shop with all the good, good old, in fact, every, I think every one of them was a German or descendant from an old German family. And I came back in and I said, I just voted. And there's like most of the local races are un, un, uh, uh, unchallenged, right? They were just, I only had one choice. And uh, they all laughed and said, Matt, you have to vote in the primary. 
if you want to have a choice. And that's when I discovered that you go to the primary and you have choices for the sheriff. You go to the when you go to the primary, you have numerous choices, and uh, and so Democrats, if they want to have a voice in in Fredericksburg. They're going to have to vote in the Republican primary in order to have their pick made, uh, have their choice made um, to come up for the general. Uh, you want to push back on that one? Well, and, and, but you, you just made my point. You just absolutely, uh, I'm sorry, Matt, I hope, I hope we, didn't cut, we didn't cut in there. But you just made my point 100%. And that is that they have the ability to influence who that general election person is. I've noticed ever since I've been, you know, back in, in, in Texas that, you know, whoever wins in the primary is, is going to be, especially on the Republican side, almost 99% of the time, whoever wins, uh, and of course, district certainly does make some difference, but bottom line is is that whoever wins in that primary is the person who is going to win in the general election. There, there's not going to be any question. Even if they're running against a Democrat, they're going to be the one that's going to win. And oftentimes we end up with a very moderate to left-leaning Republican, and they don't carry out you know, the party platform because the party platform is where the grassroots really work to try to get things put into place that are going to be put into policy through the legislative body. But the disconnect there is is that you're electing people in your primary that don't hold to those same values because they can get other voters that don't. And I don't know, you're shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> fair uh fair enough fair enough um the um let's put some math and some statistics in this uh, i sent you an article last night uh from the texan dot news it was written by brad johnson on january 24th and he has a pie graph in there and it is coming from this is data coming from a fellow named Derek ryan he is a gop consultant who tracks voter figures each election all right, and so it, it, people are very often very surprised that I can look up their name and see if they actually voted in the primary. In fact, I've had people kind of get mad about that. No, we can look up your name. If you voted in a primary in Texas, we can find out whether you voted in the Republican or the Democrat primary. It is um, in bigger districts, that data is easy to get. Uh, in smaller districts, it's much harder to get. So this fella named Derek Ryan uh, has put the work in, and here's what he showed in the 2022 GOP primary. All right, so we got this big round ball and that what he was splitting, the way he's splitting this up is Republicans who have no record of ever voting in a Democrat primary. And then he had um, another uh, one was uh, the other, the second biggest one was people who only vote in the general election. So we have no idea those people whether they vote, well, they didn't vote in a, a, the, the primary, so we don't know which primary they would have voted in. And then we have those who were mostly uh, mostly Republican but had voted in a Democrat primary every now and then, and then mostly Democrats who every now and then voted in a Republican primary. So 
I'm going to lay all these numbers out to see if the if those if those Democrats moving over statistically make a difference. So, the Republican only that never voted in a Democrat primary in Texas in 2022 data. That was three-quarters of uh, Republican primary voters, three-quarters of them. Uh, the number is actually 74.7. So the last quarter then, the biggest chunk in the last 25% is um, the gen- they, people that had only ever vote in the general primary. Now let's, took about, let's take a look at those who are mixed, all right? Uh, folks, Democrats who had never voted in a Republican primary before, came out in 2022, and two, a little less than 3% of them went to the Republican primary in, Demo- in uh, 2022. They had never voted in a Republican primary. That was under 3%. Um, you took the other two numbers in there, and you don't get to 8%. So tell me, is less than 8% of those voters moving around, do you think that can make a difference in the elections? Here's the problem with statistics. The problem with the statistics, the problem with the statistics is, is that there is a, there, there's bias in the situation. So you said 74% of registered Republicans vote in the GOP primary. Is that correct? Um, what I said was that 75%, 74% who voted in the, um, uh, the the 2022 um, were a prime. They were all Republicans, and they had never voted in a Democrat primary before. So these are your pure Republicans, three quarters of your pure Republicans, um, and the rest is a mixed bag. Okay, so the real question is: is what percentage of registered Republicans vote in the primary? That's the issue. Not the question that you answered, but what percentage? And in my opinion, a lot of those Republicans that stay home in the primary stay home because they have become disenfranchised with the results that they get when they have voted in the primary over history. Well, I have to tell you, I think we absolutely agree 100% on this in that there's not enough Republicans voting in the primary. Um, and, and like I said, that if the Republican Party would get massive turnout in the primaries, they wouldn't have to worry about this. And what you're saying is that the the you're saying the same thing. Well, I'm saying that, the, that, that A, it, it is, a, a particular block that the establishment knows that they need to target in the Republican primary to get their candidate put into place, which is generally a more mo- has, has become a more moderate candidate and not one that even actually has any adherence to the Republican Party's uh, core values or to its platform. I would say that the other issue that exists with regards to the results is what we what we need to drill down on um, is the ability if, if, to change the landscape. As long as you, you know, we've talked about this before. 
if you do the same thing over and over again and want to try to get different results, you're playing the fool's game. The only way you change the result is to change the way in which you you create. I mean, if you're making a pie and you dump a half a pound of salt in it every time you make it, and then you wonder why you got a salty pie, well, uh, why don't you try taking out the half a pound of salt? <laughs> that's the problem. We got we got a bitter taste in our primary, and we need to change the way we're doing it. And I would suggest that one of the ways to do that is is to lock it up. Affirm to the conservatives, to the real grassroots, to the ones that we could reach, that, hey, you know what? Nobody else is going to be voting in this. Your vote is going to count. It is going to matter. It's not an open primary. I mean, these are smart voters. They know and they understand. And I think that they've become disenfranchised believing that it's a fixed bet. All right, Pastor Greg, we are completely out of time. Um, Pastor Greg is hardcore on the closed primary side. I am soft on the open side and open for more discussion, and I want to have more discussion. Pastor Greg, thank you again, as we do every Tuesday morning. Thank you again for coming on today. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. God bless the whole country. Remember that our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, knows all that is happening, and that's where we put our faith. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Greg. All right, folks, we're going to take a short break, and um, we might be going to Nehemiah when I get back. Can you imagine that? We're going to Nehemiah. Y'all stay tuned. He's a teacher and activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone? And your host. Anyone? Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone? All right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And uh, I would love, I would love to have some conversations um, about open versus closed. Uh, if you can make a really good, serious argument on uh, an open primary and would like to get on the air to talk with me about it, you know how to get a hold of me off the air, and we'll have a discussion there first. And then I will... And then we'll uh, get you onto the show and uh, see if we can't um, um, have this discussion. I think it's a very important discussion. And uh, so that's where we're at. And so I'd love to hear from you. I know some of you regulars out there would uh, that I get emails and texts uh, uh, from regularly. I'd love to hear you on this. Um, I want to hear from someone who is who absolutely 100% believes in open primaries. So um, get in touch with me. Let's have this discussion because... I need to make up my mind, and there may be some of you out there who think you know which way you want to go, but you maybe haven't even thought it out all the way. And that's what I want to do is think it out all the way. So I said that we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah, and uh, I am using the Founder's Bible. It's a New American Standard Bible. And um, the we had we were we sold these at the Fredericksburg Tea Party meetings um Last year, we had a stack of them and uh, sold them, and um, it was quite in demand, and so I called back to order more. This was about nine months ago, I guess, and they said, Matt, we can't find the paper. 
And I said, what? And they said, we can't find the paper. The paper that we use to print the Founders Bible doesn't exist anymore. We can't find it. There's a shortage of it, something like that. And so they said, we have to find new paper, and we have to find a new pub, a new printer. So they had to start over from scratch, and I am proud to say that we will have some of the copies of the Founders Bible available at the February 8th meeting of the Fredericksburg Tea Party. They are shrink-wrapped, and so I have not and I will not open one of them to see what kind of paper, if it's any different or anything. Um, but uh, they are ready, and we will have those available at the meeting. And no, don't call me to save you one. Don't call me to set you one aside. Um, I would be breaking my word with the um, publishers of this book um, if I sell it outside of our meeting. I told them, I said, these are only going to be sold at the meeting. So you have to come to the meeting. And um, yes, I take credit cards, cash, uh, gold coins, and uh, silver bars. Um, what, however you want to pay for it, we can figure out a way. But um, we will have some of these available at the February 8th meeting of the Fredericksburg Tea Party. So I'm in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, the book of Nehemiah, and I'm written actually from the introduction here, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, whose name means the Lord comforts, is considered a companion book to Ezra, whose name means the Lord has helped. In Ezra, the people focused on rebuilding the temple. In Nehemiah, they begin rebuilding the walls of the city. All right, so they're beginning to build the walls of the city, but it ain't as easy as they think it's going to be. All right, so in Nehemiah 4, we run into a situation where there's a lot of discouragement, lots of discouragement. All right, because the work started and then the work stopped, and then the work started and then the work stopped, and there were people mad about this and people mad about that. In other words, history repeats itself. <laughs> we are no different. We are no different than they were, and this would have been, let's see, in Nehemiah, and here they say was written, uh, they say about 423, about 423 B.C., um, and so add that 24, yeah, yeah, about 3,000 years ago, nothing has changed. Human nature has not changed. We are the nature which God created, and it doesn't change. So people got very discouraged. Um, and uh, so in Nehemiah 4, in verse 9, is where they began to get over the discouragement. All right? And so this is what I want to read because... This is something that happens to me. I get discouraged. I get discouraged. Um, we all get discouraged. Those of you, the harder you fight in the grassroots movement, the more active you are, the more engaged you are, the more discouraged you're going to get. I I'm telling you, it just comes with it because it just seems like we are constantly fighting an uphill battle, and there are times when you just want to say, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. And I've seen a lot of people do that. I've seen a lot of people do that. And there's even, I can even, I'm even getting pretty good at predicting which one of those people are going to do that because I've watched it enough. Um, so we're in Nehemiah 4, verse 9. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. All right, so who's them? These were the people who wanted to, who did not want the um, uh, the walls being built. All right. So he says, but we prayed to our God, and because of them, these anti-wall builders, we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus in Judah it was said, 
All right. And what is he, what is he saying here? This is like the bumper sticker in Judah. All right. The strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Our enemies said they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times they will come up against us from every place where you may turn, then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the peoples. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. When our enemies heard that, it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And then here's the key part to me. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates. And the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side while the trumpeters stood near me. I would like to finish all of this, but I want to make my point in this uh, before we get through, before I finish that. And there were several things, as I'm reading this, there were several things that crossed my mind. Um, the point I wanted to make on this was that, that when I was reading it last night, was how, and this has to do with the closed primaries, open closed primaries. People sneak in. They come in. They say, oh, I'm one of you, I'm one of you, I'm one of you. And that was the plan for those who were against the building of the wall who wanted to tear it down. They said, we can sneak in, we can pretend we're part of you, we can infiltrate your whole organization and then attack from within. Folks, that is what's happening in the Republican Party. In fact, it's what's happening on our border, isn't it? So what did he do? He put half the men on guard, half the people on guard to watch that there was no infiltration, that there was no, no junk coming in. We need to be able, we need to figure out how to do that in the Republican Party as well as the Tea Party.